I'm a whore, I'm a bitch, I'm a cunt, I need to die. Someone needs to come to my house and cut my head off. Yes, someone said that to me in a fucking email. An anonymous one that. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, fuck, fuck, fuck. I dropped my headset. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, why should I put up with this? Why should I tolerate this bullshit? Um, and there's no reason why I should. There is absolutely no reason why I should tolerate their bullshit. None. I wouldn't tolerate that shit from somebody in my life. Why would I tolerate it from some stranger on the Internet? I mean, what does this stranger... What... What thing does this stranger have that gives them some kind of status they don't deserve? You know, why shouldn't I out them in public? Why shouldn't I? There's no reason why I shouldn't. So if you're going to behave badly, I'm going to let everybody know that you're behaving badly. And if you send me a dick pic in my email, I'm putting that dick pic on my website. Complete the critique of your penis. I'm not only going to post your penis, I'm going to tell everybody what I think of your pathetic penis. And it's not going to be to your benefit, because frankly, I've gotten more than one dick pic over my time in fandom, and I've never once gotten a dick pic from a reader that I thought was attractive. Now, I see dicks in porn that's really attractive, but I don't get porn quality dick in my email. That is not an invitation to send me porn-quality dick in my email. So what it boils down to is this. If you're going to make me a target, I am more than willing to make you one too. And if you're going to talk shit about me anonymously on wank blogs and on Tumblr, and if you're going to tell me I need to leave the fandom, I don't need to leave the fandom, sweetheart. You do. You're the one that's not welcome. I've got seven, almost 8,000 members to my website. I'm not the one who's the problem. It's you. I'm not the arrogant twat nobody likes. Plenty of people like me, arrogant or not, plenty of people like me. But if they knew who you were, they would hate your guts. So I'm not the problem in fandom, and neither are any of the other writers you target that don't do what you want. We're not the problem. You are. So why the fuck should we leave? Why don't you take your ass out of the, out the door? Because I'm so done. I'm so done. And you can call me a princess, and you can call me a big-name fan. I don't care. I don't. I don't appreciate either one of those terms personally, but I don't care because I don't have any – I place absolutely zero value on your opinion. I am a queen. Yes, I am. I'm the fucking queen of Pegasus. I have a crown and a picture to prove it. So here's the you know here's the thing. Um, I'm you know I've also gotten that free speech and censorship thing because I deleted some comments um, off my website, uh, and because I delete comments on Rough Trade as well. 
nobody is required to listen to your opinion. That's not what free speech is. And you know what else free speech isn't? It's lack of consequences. You can say what you want. That's what free speech means. Free speech means that you can say what you want and the, in the United States and, your go, and the government won't arrest you for what you say. But there are limitations to that. Like if you yell fire in a, in a crowded theater, that's illegal. That exceeds your free speech. Some forms of hate speech exceed your free speech. Threatening a public official like the president or a senator or a congressman exceeds your free speech. But where your free speech ends, my right not to listen to it begins. Because nowhere, nowhere does it say that anybody is required to listen to you, take you seriously, or have value in your opinion. But more than that, nowhere does it say that you can say what you want with consequence. And if you say something fucking offensive and I don't want you in my space anymore, I have the right to remove you from my space. You don't have the right to interact with me against my will. And men have a real problem with that. Men on the Internet have a real problem with a woman asserting her authority over her own goddamn space. Oh, let's be honest. They have that problem in reality, not just on the Internet. You know how many times have you rejected a man and get told fuck you to your face, you frigid bitch? I can't even tell you how many men have said that to my face because I just, I said no when they asked me out or I said no when they asked me to dance. I'm not particularly interested. And then, you know, there's that, you know, that thing where if he reacts violently, the girl gets back, you know, would it have hurt you to go out with him? As a matter of fact, considering how violent he was in response to a simple no, I won't go out with you, yes, it probably would have hurt to go out with him. Because he's also that same sorry motherfucker who thinks if he buys you dinner, you owe him sex. <clears throat> and these men are everywhere. I'm not saying all men are like this by any stretch of the imagination. By no means are all men like this, but there are a lot of men like this, and they get in our spaces and they they intrude on um, our conversations in public. They intrude in our groups and in our fandom life, and then they get offended when they aren't accepted way they expect to be accepted. They have no ability whatsoever to acknowledge that they don't have the right to inflict themselves on somebody else. I was actually told by someone I refused access. Now, I have a private Facebook group called Minion Headquarters, and I and there are a lot of people in that group. And there was somebody on my friends list about eight months ago who um, was uh, a lurker, and but he had a habit of posting really sexist shit on his Facebook wall. And so when he asked me if he could join Minion Headquarters, I said no. 
because I didn't want him in my space. And that's my prerogative because that's my group. It belongs to me. So what happens in that group, if I don't like it, it it stops because it's mine. That's my group. And if you're in my group, that's because you were invited and I accept you. And if you misbehave in my group, I will throw your ass right out. Because you're not, it's not something that you're, it's not, it's not your right. It's a privilege. But a lot of, there's this assumption of ownership, and I mentioned it on Tumblr today, um, that, you know, they get, so many people got bent out of shape with me when I turned off the ability to copy and paste my work. And one person emailed me and told me that it wasn't fair because what was going to happen when I left the Internet and she didn't have all of my work saved because I had callously and with no regard for my readership turned off the ability to copy and paste on my website. What makes you think you have the right to do that to begin with? Now think about it. What makes you think you have the right to copy and paste my work from a website and keep it? (laughs) I don't even know what that is. What makes you think you have that right? Who the fuck do you think you are? All of those words are mine. And while fan and fan fiction can't be copyrighted because it is a derivative work, that does not mean it's not my intellectual property because it remains my intellectual property. That combination of words belongs to me. And if I don't want you to copy and paste it and put it in a fucking document and save it to your goddamn computer, that is my right. And fuck you for thinking otherwise. No, really. Really. I've gotten so much passive-aggressive shit about the copy-and-paste thing that I don't know where to start. And let me tell you why it's really there. I banned a few people from my website by IP address. And in one case, I banned all the IP addresses within 50 miles of his house. And um, if for some reason you have never done anything wrong and um, you're banned from my site and you get directed to a YouTube video that is a parody on Fuck You by CeeLo Green, um, and you don't think you've done anything wrong, that's probably because you're in that IP block that, that IP block that I blocked. So if you would email me, I'll investigate what your IP address is, and um, we'll get you on the safe list. But you're going to have to prove to me that you're a real person, um, because this person is never getting access to my website if I have a single fucking thing to say about it. And I turned off copy and paste so he couldn't get one of his asshole friends to come over to my website and copy and paste all my stuff and send it to him. Because I don't want him reading my words. I don't want him to have access to my website in any shape or form. I don't want him listening to my radio show, but I can't stop that. If I could, I would. I don't want him looking at my Twitter. I don't want him looking at my Tumblr. I don't want him... I would like to obliviate him so he believes 
so he forgets that I ever existed. Straight up Harry Potter obliviate. Because he called me a Nazi. You don't know about me and what I have never really, um, I don't often share this. My um, godmother and favorite great, she married my grandmother's brother. And she came from Germany. And she was born in the concentration camp. She survived it. But I don't even know. There's there's no explaining how she survived it, how she came out of it. She was, she was two years old on D-Day. When Norman, you know, she was, she was B-Day, D-Day. She was two days old when World War II was over. She was two years old. And she um, eventually came to the United States as a teenager, and she married my great-uncle. And um, when I was born, she was the second person to hold me. My mother um, being the first, she beat my grandmother to the hospital. And um, I'm actually named after her. And this asshole called me a Nazi. So no, he's not welcome in my space in any single fucking way for the rest of his goddamn life. Because <clears throat> I'm not going to accept this kind of behavior anymore. I- I'm I- I'm just not. I've actually been incredibly tolerant of it of it in the past. I've never um, up until recently I'd only ever. Um, deleted one membership from my website, and I didn't uh, ban their IP address. I just deleted their membership and told them not to create another one because I didn't want to see their bullshit comments anymore. I have banned 12 people by email address and IP address um, over the past two weeks on my website because I'm tired of your shit. And I'm also tired of being quiet about it. Oh, don't make a scene. Don't be the troll. Well, that puts you in a very powerless position, doesn't it? And it, and it makes so much sense that all these people leave fandom because they're told over and over and over again, oh, just ignore it. Don't feed the troll. Don't go down to their level. Well, what that really means, what that does is it puts you in a position where you have absolutely no power. And being powerless is a terrible way to be. So it makes perfect sense that these people would turn their backs on that situation and walk away and take all their toys and go home because they're being forced into a situation where not only they're being abused, but they're being encouraged to accept it. Because if you say nothing, if you do nothing, 
it's a form of tolerance. You're tolerating this behavior. You're not. And so whenever I see somebody say, oh, well, don't respond to the troll, don't feed the troll, don't, you know, but all I hear is my Aunt Busybody going, oh, shh, 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 don't make a scene, don't make a scene. A lady keeps her mouth shut, don't make a scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So the next time somebody sends me something shitty in my email, I'm going to post it in full on a special section of my website called Assholes. And um, I'm going to post your email address. I'm going to post every single bit of information I've got about you. And if you've ever commented on my website, by the way, I have your IP, which means I know what city and state you live in most of the time. And if you've participated in rough trade, most of the time I can track your real Facebook name to your email address you use in fandom because a lot of people have given me their Facebook profiles in response. And honestly, I'm going to just I'm, I'm I don't care. I don't care anymore what No, I'm just I'm done. If you want to act like a sorry motherfucker, I'm going to tell everybody that you're a sorry motherfucker because um, you don't get to go along and not have consequences. And that isn't a threat. It's a promise. I am promising you that if you abuse me privately, I'm going to make that abuse public. And I'm going to publish your email address with it. Fair warning, you have no expectations of privacy when you email me. If you don't want everybody to know you're an entitled asshole, don't be an entitled asshole. And and that's how it's going to work from now on. And I will be putting a message on my side about this as well on my contact form because a lot of people are stupid and abuse my contact form. You'd be amazed at how many people use my contact form. And it's craziness because my contact form harvests everything. It harvests. <laughs> it even tells me what fucking browser they're using. Oh, this guy's using Firefox and it needs to be updated because he's like six versions behind. I don't even know how it's working. And um, here's his IP address. And I mean, it just... You're so stupid. But if you use my contact form to abuse me, I'm going to put it on my website. That is fair warning. And I will put it on the contact form itself. That if you misbehave and I find it unacceptable, I'm going to post it on my website for everybody to see. Because I'm done. So, 
Seriously. So seriously. <sighs> Jilly's on the phone. Let me see what Jilly has to say. Tell me about your readers. You know, um, ninety percent. <laughs> you know, most of my readers are are delightful. To be fair, I yeah, uh, I agree. They're, they're they're mostly they're mostly awesome. Um, they say wonderful things to me. Um, they prop me up sometimes when I'm having a really bad day. But sometimes it's really hard to get past those assholes who um, think that you owe them something. Like all your free time and working on what they want you to work on and oh, why haven't you updated this? And, you know, I don't get threats, um, and it is yeah. generalizing. Yeah, this could be generalizing, but I think part of it is because I don't write HET. I, you know, you know that all four of the men who threatened me were Harry Hermione shippers? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Because, I mean, some of the ugliest comments, I've only written one, and it it was, I mean, it was like, like nobody it's like my my least read story is the one head story I've written and it's like the only thing that I've gotten um really like a homophobic comment on like people don't bother to write me about my slash and tell me that it I'm going to hell for it or anything like that at least not anymore they used to um, I miss those letters days. yeah I miss my Westboro Baptist Church hate me um um hate mail I miss them come back Mystic, you're going to hell. I used to get those in the old days, but you know I haven't had one of those in a long time. Um, I I really miss it compared to yeah. having my, somebody threaten to cut my head off. Because that's just you know that's just ugly. That's just ugliness, and there's no excuse for it. Because I mean we're talking about we're talking about fiction. We're talking about entertainment. And that people are so crazy about, I, I just, I, it, it's just incomprehensible. It's just incomprehensible. Well, they, they, and, and, and I'm, you know, I am, I really don't mean, but I'm going to tell you this, Jilly's right, I have never been threatened in fandom until I started posting Het in in the Harry Potter fandom. I have never had a slash reader threaten me. Um I've I've had them insult me, yes, but threaten me? No. I have ne- no. Every single time I've gotten a threatening note or a threatening um situation happen with a comment or a letter, it has been from a straight man. I've never, as far as I know, had a woman threaten me. Um, the, all of the hostility, the genuine hostility I've gotten has come from people presenting themselves as heterosexual males on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've had some readers that I would characterize as um, perhaps unhealthily attached. Looney Tunes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> Um, underlay, underlay. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally get that. 
it, it's a little too um, a little too much emotional attachment, and not just to the word. Because I mean, it's it's very uh, you can get very emotionally wrapped up in a fiction in a story that really touches you, and I get that. But there can be that transference um, sometimes, you know, onto the author that you don't even know that can feel a little like, you know, whoa, take a step back. Um, Azura says, we have a nice head-only reading straight guy in the chat room, but just the one. I know who you mean. He's super nice. I, I really like him. He sends me really awesome emails. Um, and he's always really genuinely grateful when I update. And I, uh, I appreciate that, but he's, like, super rare. We should keep him in, and and keep him safe and call him George. <laughs> because he is rare. He's like a diamond. He's a diamond in the Harry Potter fandom, and we need to keep him safe and sparkly. And there's, prob- there's probably a lot of guys out there reading, you know, reading Het fanfic, and they're probably totally decent human beings, but, you know, there's the trolls that, that read the Het material are just ruining their reputation terribly, you know, and if they had yeah. an iota sense, they would be out there rolling up a newspaper and smacking these trolls on the nose and saying, stop it. You're making us all look bad. You're making us all look like predators. Yes. Because there is one Harry Hermione shipper, I, every time I think, the first time I ever encountered him, I thought, oh my God, that's a pedophile. Because he, um, Okay, you know I'm writing that story, Phoenix, for my niece. Um, this man came to my site to read Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, and it is adult, it is explicit, but they are above the age of consent. Now, Phoenix takes place in fourth year, and I'm writing it for my um, my niece. My niece is, actually, because now there's two in on it. Oh, God, the plot points are ridiculous, but I'm I'm working them down off the cliff. Let's just put it that way. Um and um, they're 7 and 10, right? And it says plainly on the top of that fic that I am writing it for my underage niece as a, um, both as a gift and as a, um, as a lesson about body autonomy and, and sex and, and self-respect. This man actually demanded an explicit version of Phoenix. What? And when I said Harry's just 14 years old in that fic, and he said, I don't care about Harry. I said, Hermione's 15. And he said, yeah, but she's still hot. Ugh. Ugh. And all I could think is, oh, my God, you were that sick fuck who was masturbating to Emma Watson when she was 12, right? And this is this is actually something that really, really, really upset me because and I don't and here it here it is. I'm kinda like super protective of Emma Watson and I don't even know her and it's kinda weird. But I never watched the movies but I did kinda watch her grow up doing those movies. And so while yes, I acknowledge that she's a grown woman, she's twenty five years old or almost twenty six we still watched her grow up. She was a little girl, and and I I it it makes me deeply uncomfortable with men in their fifties uh, creep on her. Uh, she, come on now. 
dude, like that beautiful woman would give you the time of day. That's just, no. No. Although, to be fair, um, to be fair, to um, it, the Flash fandom has also has a, a particular fascination with very underage Harry. Um, oh, God. And very, very underage. And, you know, and... So the but on the other hand they won't threaten to cut your head off if you don't write it. So there I know, right? You know. <laughs> there is that. There is that. So um, there's that redeeming thing there. I do want to keep Emma kind of clean. I don't want people to get her dirty. You're absolutely right, Azure. They said, uh, say it for me. Azure, Azure says she's lovely and classy, and she's kind of perfect. And those assholes want to get her dirty or. Want to dirty her, and that's true. They do, they do want to get her dirty, and um, there's a corruption element there that that makes me deeply uncomfortable. And um, when I told him I had no intention whatsoever of of writing underage sex, and I told him it was perverted for him to even ask, he jumped my shit and told me I was a judgmental twat. I said, "You're absolutely right. I am judging you so hard, and I've got a beautiful twat, <laughs> fucking gorgeous over here." I got porn quality in my panties. Let me assure you. That's when you that's when you flip that uh you flip that freedom of speech thing back around on people and say, Hey, I'm exercising my freedom of speech to tell you that I'm judging the fuck out of you. <laughs> I'm judging you so fucking hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> the last time someone some man called me a twat to my face, I said, I got one, you are one. She's just a pretty, smart girl, and she always was. She was very, um, she's just, she's lovely. And the idea of of these creepy-ass motherfuckers drucking off in the basement to Harry Potter movies watching her grow up makes me deeply uncomfortable, you nasty bastards. What's wrong with you? Well, you know they're all self-inserting. Of course they are. Of course they sick. are. They which all is why, there. which is why, in the next episode of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, not only am I going to so, I'm on the fence about whether or not I want to do the big gay sex scene or whether I want to have Hermione peg Harry. Hmm. Let me see you self-insert yourself into that scene, motherfucker. <laughs> Why not both? Because, see, if I introduce the gay sex scene first, they're going to close it. So I need to, like, bake them into the story so they don't even realize what's happening in the sex scene until she's dildo deep in his ass. (laughs) Oh, I love this. And I was thinking about how I was going to do my ebook, and for a while there I wasn't going to do an ebook, but now I'm going to do an ebook, and like in between like the chapters and stuff, I'm going to put porn pictures in there. Right on. Just explicit gay ones. Surprise, butt sex. <laughs> exactly. If I could make animated ones, I totally would. I'd totally put animated gifts in my ebooks just to get back at them because I fucking hate them. But I am going to introduce, you know, I 
Um, I honestly wasn't going to. I was I, I was going to keep it for my het readers. I, I was going to keep the background pairing of Harry and I mean um, Sirius and Cassius in the background and not really explore um, their sexual relationship and and what's happening between them. Um, but I am so fucking fed up with your homophobia, and um, I'm I'm just I'm done. I am. I'm really, really done. Well, I can find animated porn gifts. The problem is making them animated in the version of the ebooks. That becomes the issue. Because I've got plenty of animated Doom Dick that I could put in books. <laughs> I just like can't. Like... Go ahead, you can't what? I just can't make them active, like be yeah. moving. Which would be, you know, tragic, but still, still is Couldn't you imagine nothing. one of those assholes on a train to work or whatever, you know, on the bus, whatever, this guy's iPad out, he's slipping through the book, and all of a sudden, boom, surprise, butt <laughs> sex. <laughs> it would be fucking amazing. Oh, my God. I can't imagine the hate mail I would get. It would be great. And that would probably be hate mail you'd be gleeful about. <laughs> I would post that shit so fast they wouldn't that they would think I posted it before they even hit send. How'd you get that up there so fast? I only sent it two minutes ago. Oh my gosh, look at look at this. <laughs> I got one. You think you're a troll. I'm gonna give you lessons. <laughs> Reverse trolling. <laughs> I'm gonna give but you lessons on that shit. It's like it's like almost all the bad behaviors um, you see in other other demographics, right? So like we have the homophobia with your het women readers, right? We see that mm-hmm. we, we saw that this week. Um, at least we sort of assumed that one person was a woman, mm. um, and then um, the entitlement you get you're probably one of your most entitled readers of all time is both a slash and a het reader um, that, you know, is is, is a man um, and also very abusive. And then we've got, so, I mean, all the demographics get all the different types of behaviors, but they tend to coalesce and where you get, you get all of them in your straight male readers. I know. It's really terrible. Just so the they are very objectionable, but the only thing that's ever really, like, I'm not even shocked, honestly, by the behavior of het males. And I'm going to put a spit on this for you. Het white males. Straight up. That level of entitlement comes from whiteness. And I'm white, by the way. I don't want you to think. I'm not bashing white people. I'm telling you that white men have a um, a level of um, entitlement because of uh, just being born white. And it's not even entirely a guess because some of them have sent you photos or videos. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Love the dick pic. I really do. I've seen I've seen smaller dicks. Um 
I've but, never seen one that was obviously circumcised that had that problem. Well, he called I mean, it a big dick, right? Wasn't that part of his handle was big dick? Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, and then you're like, okay. No, that's not off, the one dude. I mean. That's not the one I mean. I mean, he shared his dick pic with the whole world, like, you know, mm-hmm. everybody on Twitter. No, I got a dick pic in private. And he was obviously circumcised, but still managed to have some kind of weird foreskin thing going on. Oh, an oops. <laughs> he he might have been five inches erect, which I guess is nothing to be ashamed of. But honestly, dudes, it's nothing to be proud of either. That's when you say in that patronizing voice, oh, you're perfectly normal. I have never said that. I'm that bitch that will get up and get dressed. <laughs> no. You got to be this big for this ride. And my hands were about eight inches apart when I said that. <laughs> I'm just, Now, the guy on Twitter, he sent me a dick pic, so I sent him a dick pic back. And that's how you handle a dick pic. And now, in his defense, was epic. In his defense, he did um, he did secure permission to show me and my mom his dick. My mom offered a critique of his penis. That's true. He did tell you in advance. Yeah. So it wasn't like he just sprung a dick pic on me, and I responded with what I thought I would have gotten. Because when you say you've got a big dick, I expect you to send me a picture of a big dick. I did not get a picture of a big dick. So I felt like I had to tell him, or show him more likely, what a big dick actually is. And um, so I did. I I sent him a big dick picture. But Mom told him his penis was sweet. Just what every man wants to hear. Aw, that's so sweet. Oh, that's so sweet. That's exactly how she sounded, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what she said. Oh, that's so sweet. His penis was actually respectable. It was. It just wasn't like I mean, something that I would put my put in my handle, big dick. I mean, it certainly would not have joined the, um, the, uh, the annals like of the doom dick. No, no, it's not a doom dick by any means. <clears throat> but it, you know, perfectly acceptable. Not memorable, but perfectly acceptable. I'm just, I, I really have never liked being told to be quiet. I've never liked being told, oh, don't make a scene. Because what that really means is this person is telling you, yes, I know this person is being abusive and being an asshole, but now it is your responsibility to make this situation go away. And you can do that by keeping your mouth shut. But all that does is give the abuser on the other end of the situation free reign, because they don't face any consequences for their behavior, ever. (laughs) 
they go on about their business day after day abusing people online like it's a fucking hobby and i imagine for some of them it is there was that terrible letter in dear prudence or was it dear abby i forget where um this woman wrote prudence or abby you know one of those agony ants and was talking about how she was on her husband's computer and found out that he was a troll and that he was abusive to women and children on the internet and like very abusive like to the point of um, she was physically ill at some of the things that she saw that he had posted online. Um, and she confronted him, and he told her it was just a hobby, a stress relief for him. And he told her, and she told him that he needed to stop and they needed to go to therapy, and he said no. This woman's eight, nine months pregnant. Um and her husband's an internet troll, and he's abusing women and children online and refused to stop and refused to get counseling. Even when she threatened to leave him. So he's willing to give up his wife and his child in order to continue to be an abusive, sorry piece of shit on the internet. That's not normal no that's a serious mental problem that yes he's and the agony aunt spoke to her said you know you need you need to get out because he's not he's not right <clears throat> i think that um number one internet trolling isn't illegal Renee says she should have turned him in. She's complicit by doing nothing. Um, there's nothing illegal about being a troll. And in most states, it's not even illegal to stalk somebody online. They have no idea how to even handle it. Online harassment, online stalking. In most states in, in this country, it's not illegal. They have no idea how to regulate or how to investigate it or how to prevent it. And his behavior, while aberrant and disgusting, isn't illegal. In some states, it's illegal to make threats of bodily harm, but even that, they don't really know how to, you know, most most police departments don't know what to do with that. They're not equipped to handle, because usually it's not somebody in your state, and what if they're not in your country? Right. And what if, and, and if he's not threatening bodily harm, if he's just getting online and saying, oh, you're a fat whore, you're a cunt, I hope you die, you know, none of these things are illegal. And um, also, I would say that um, in no single way is she responsible for his behavior. And um, honestly, with someone as mentally fucked up as him, her best option, considering how pregnant she is, is to get out of that house and as far away from him as she possibly can. Because that's the asshole that comes home with the gun. That's the asshole that shoots a whole bunch of people because he can't get a date. I just can't imagine running. I can't imagine running into that, and in in my relationship, that the person that I'm with is engaging in that kind of behavior online, and that they won't seek help. That that behavior is more important to them than anything else is just (coughs) such a scary thought. 
No, what she she didn't say he was stalking kids online. She said he was abusing kids online, and that could be anywhere from commenting on an Instagram. It doesn't even have to be the same kid every time, or commenting on YouTube saying somebody's ugly, or saying somebody's fat, or saying somebody's gross. But he, but she never accused him of stalking or even threatening people online. She just said he was an abusive troll, which again isn't illegal. I don't know, but you know, it's just the thing that, you know, there's this, but I can guarantee you I probably got an email sitting in my mailbox right now accusing me of misandry. I'm going to go check. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not yet. Well, let's go over to the asshole folder. I have a folder in my Google that I set up to filter all the people that I don't want to talk to into the folder. They skip my inbox and go right to my asshole folder, and they're <laughs> and they're labeled <laughs> and they're labeled red, so that I don't even it, it doesn't even light up with new mail. And currently, um, there are. Oh, goodness. There are 226 emails in this, and um, 15 from today, I'm sure from Tumblr. They they have to respond to my Tumblr. 15 from today. 15 from today, yeah. Wow. Men use the term misandry to represent everything from actual misandry to outright just rejection. Because some men consider it misandry to be um, to be rejected or to be um or when a woman refuses to engage them in conversation, it's misandry. It's a catch-all term for any time a man's made uncomfortable when his entitlement isn't um Indulged. Yep. I am posting a link in the chat room to um, uh, John Oliver did a um, an in depth on online harassment a couple months ago. Um, if anybody wants to watch it, he does. He really delves deep into what the problems are with getting control of it and enforcing what little law there is about it. So if anybody's interested in that I'll particular put the link in the um description as well for those who are on the podcast later. Um I have listened to it. I'll I'll listen to it. It'll be awesome. No, sir, it's not Miss Andrew, you're just an asshole. <laughs> I told a man I don't hate all men, I just hate you. Or, you hate men, not all of them. Because <laughs> I don't. I don't hate them all. I know quite a few that I don't. I'm married to one. I don't hate him. Um, I, well, I mean, you, you lead a cock-worshipping cult. I mean, it's not like you're clearly not averse to all men. I think what you probably could accuse me of legitimately is objectification of men. 
and I would admit that I have I I do that. I objectify men, especially really attractive men. I do that. I don't do it to their face. I do it on the internet. Um and I think that most slash fiction written by women could be considered objectification and especially when it's porn. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's okay though. That's what porn is. Porn is objectification across the board, whether it be about two women or a man and a woman or two women or two men or three women and a man or three men and a woman or three four or five, six men in uniform, whatever you gotta do to get you through your day. But porn itself is 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 objectification. Um it's um it's created just for the sole purpose of arousing other people in a way that uh highlights and facilitates the usage of um certain attractive body parts on really attractive people. Mhm. Especially in gay form. <laughs> But, you know, women have been a target of, of objectification for millennia. I, I totally agree, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that one of the biggest issues um, in fandom, um, and, and I think maybe it's because um, these men, one reason why I'm so offended is because it they're men. <laughs> okay, I'm going to explain. A long time ago, I wrote an, a live journal post about um, a false sense of intimacy that gets created between an author and a reader. And when that false sense of intimacy is created, you can um, your reader can develop an attachment to you, like Julie was saying, that's kind of inappropriate. But when that reader is a man, it can get deeply uncomfortable and when that reader who was really invested in your work and had fallen into that false sense of intimacy when they get angry with you they lash out at you like a man who's been dating you an angry man who's been dating you and you got caught cheating <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's just like they take it as a deep personal betrayal. And it's true that women, you know, men worry about getting laughed at by women and women worry about getting killed because that's the truth. Men are the single biggest threat to women on this planet. Bar none. Nothing is a bigger threat to a woman's it's, safety than a man. It's just not the same scale. There's just no comparison. They do feel connected to the writer, and um, a lot of men um, control to a terrifying degree, their intimate relationships with other people, women. And when you have a um, male reader lash out at you and become disappointed in you because you haven't um, performed to their expectations, um, 
it can be deeply uncomfortable. None of these men make me afraid, not even the one that threatened to kill me, because, um, number one, they don't know where I live and they don't know who I am. And um, number two, I have a gun that I carry with me wherever I go, and I'm not afraid to put a hole in a man. Or ten. Or fifteen. I think my clip holds fifteen. Yeah. Maybe. I should Yeah, check. we talked about Maybe. that one day. Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 15. My gun holds 15 bullets in one clip. I have two clips. I have a clip in my purse, too, because I can reload. A bitch can reload. So you have to ask yourself, when you're coming at somebody who has a Glock 15, she's got 30 chances to hit you. (laughs) I'm just putting that out there for you. I've got 30 opportunities to hit somebody. And bullet. you practice, so it's and not I do like, practice. Yeah, so it's not like you're gonna try. It's not like you're failing to hit the broadside of a barn or anything. Um, nine times out of ten, I can make a headshot, and um, ten times out of ten, I can make a body shot. Absolutely, I can. I can hit a, a torso at a hundred yards, something like that. You're such a um, badass. I know, right? Well, see, yeah. my daddy taught me. My daddy was in the Army, and um, he taught me. And um, he said, if if you're going to have a gun, you're going to know how to use a gun. And um, I can, um, I have really, really, really good aim with my own gun. I can do well with a rifle, but I don't prefer it. Um, but, but with my own gun, I, I'm a boss with my own gun. <laughs> and, oh, God, that's a terrible statistic. Anna Marie Tanti says, 10 women are murdered each day in Australia. 10 women a day in Australia. And your population density is nowhere near what the United States is. I don't even want to know how many women die every day in this country at the hands of a man. I know more women have died since 9-11 at the hands of a man in this country than all the people who died during 9-11 and in the subsequent wars, we fought because of 9-11. Yep. <clears throat> and there are a lot of good, a lot, most good people, a lot of good men out there. There are. But check your, you know, check your entitlement at the door. And if you find yourself bristling when you hear this stuff, stop and think about why. Yeah, you could be the problem. It's ugly. It's ugly to think that, but whenever I get, an, whenever I realize somebody on my site is male, I kind of shy away from them now because I'm thinking to myself, six months from now, am, am I going to disappoint you and are, are you going to send me a threatening email? I don't even know what and to do with it. That's just a terrible thought to have to have. It's just terrible. And for all you crazy guys out there listening, what Kira goes through, you can't I can't even begin to imagine how many writers 
you know, who have written Slash will not branch out into Het because of the kind of craziness that you guys have put her through. It's, but you know, the thing is about Slash readers, I would get, <laughs> I actually, I, I look back on my former hate mail with fondness. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't kidding about that Westboro Baptist Church thing. I used to get, like, form letters from them. I think someone who hated Slash signed me up for some service they used to run, but apparently they stopped running it. And I would get, like, um, quarterly newsletters about dealing with my devilry. And I haven't gotten them in two years, and I'm kind of disappointed. It's not too late to change your path and become a good, a good... Uh, servant to Christ. <laughs> I periodically get posts that someone's still praying for me, but oh. you know. <laughs> it's like okay. Barbara says I have a friend who writes gun control articles and gets death threats all the time. I um have carried a weapon since I was in my twenties. Um, there are very few people in my family who don't carry a weapon. Um, those who don't carry a weapon aren't allowed to. Um, I have absolutely no, um, I have nothing against gun control. Some people do not need a weapon. They don't handle it responsibly. Their kids get hurt. They draw it in domestic violence situations and kill people. Um, I have never drawn my weapon on somebody unless I fully intended to kill them. Um, and that was just that one time, and that was because he wouldn't go away, and I was in a parking lot by myself. And when he saw my, when he saw my gun, he got in his car and he left. <laughs> and, and, and that was that. I do believe in waiting periods. I do believe in background checks. I'm a responsible gun owner, and that's what it means to be a responsible gun owner. You not that you advocate for the safety of everyone around you, not just yourself. And some people don't need weapons. Now I have an uncle who's a schizophrenic. He does not have a weapon. Now in the state that we live in, he could have a weapon, but his mama told him he wasn't allowed to get one. And though she's been dead for twenty years, he still has not bought one. She told him he wasn't allowed. Exactly. While the state would not monitor him, the rest of us do. Because he can't be trusted with a weapon. Um, I have a I have an uncle who's also an ex con and he's not allowed to have weapons either. (laughs) The worst part this is so terrible. I should not. He got arrested for um, his uh, ex-wife accused him of stealing his own car. And because it was in her name, even though he paid for it, he went. <laughs> he he served two years <laughs> for stealing his own car. What? How does that work? <laughs> because he paid for it, but it was in her name. It was registered in her name. The title was in her name. So after their divorce became final, she waited three weeks and then reported the car stolen. Wow. 
I know, right? And so he got like a suspended sentence eventually. I think he spent like 90 days in county jail. And um, he, uh, b- um, because it was a felony, he can't own a weapon in our state. And the worst part is, is he had a fabulous and amazing gun collection, and he had to distribute the guns throughout our family because he can't um, legally own a weapon anymore. Oh, uh, I got a lovely double barrel shotgun out of that deal. <laughs> Just saying. His, yeah, his, his credit was uh, there was an issue, and so he couldn't buy the car um, in his name. But um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys this, and I would not say this to my uncle's face, but he ho- but he totally had that shit coming. Um, no woman in our family actually had a problem with what she did. Oh, wow. Because he cheated on her with her own niece. Ooh. Her side of the family niece. Not a relation to him beyond a niece by marriage. But he fucked his own niece by marriage and got caught in her bed. And she was just as icy and as combative as you can fuck. Oh, it was amazing. She she moved through that divorce like a lady. She was like, boom, right? All through it, all through it. And then, after everything was said and done, and she got the house, and she got her car that was in her name, and he kept his car, which was also in her name, she got her niece thrown out of her um, private religion-based college for violating the moral code and she lost a four-year scholarship because the girl was just 19 um got her yeah it cost her like over a hundred thousand dollars because that school was really expensive and she had a full ride um and then she had him arrested for stealing the car just like a fucking lady total boss (laughs) she divorced him but we kept her she didn't divorce us. She's still invited to family reunions. And, and she shows up. That's how you deal with infidelity. <laughs> that's right, because she's a fucking lady. It was amazing. We were all just like golf clapping in the background. Fantastic. I mean, it was fantastic. <clears throat> I repossessed a motorcycle once. It never even occurred to me to to report it stolen because it was in my name. I just went and took it. The problem with it was, I mean, effectively he had no transportation then, but then I had a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Hooper. But yeah, so that's my family. A Jerry Springer episode waiting to happen. <laughs> I, you know, that that's the thing. Um, well, I was, you know, just talking about men in general. Um, and I am, I, uh, there are a couple of things that happen in Slash fandom that put me aback when I when I when they when I first encountered it. Like heterosexual women who think heterosexual sex is gross. Yeah. What the hell is up with that? Don't you what do the, that? What, what the fuck, ladies? 
What the fuck? Don't bash the sex you actually have. That is so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Stop that. And that is what the weirdest experience I ever had in fandom. Um, because I was like, I don't understand what her problem is. Because, um, okay, so so she emails me and she complained because um, I uh, she had read that McKay Lauren short that I had in Dark Places of the Soul. And she liked it a lot, and then she went back and tried to read the rest of the series, but of course most of that series is het, right? And um, she got all bit out of shape about the het sex, and um, because uh, she had been reading what might have been, and she couldn't understand why I made John straight. It really bothered her that I made John straight. And I'm thinking, well, first I thought, well, if she's a lesbian, then why does she care what the boys are doing? But then she's not a lesbian because I asked her. Because I straight up asked her. I said, um, are you a lesbian? <laughs> because I didn't understand. I'm trying to understand her point of view, right? And she said, no, of course not. I'm married to a man. And I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? I guess she's been closing her eyes and thinking of England for all these years. What the fuck is your pro? I don't understand. I don't understand women who are in het relationships who not only refuse to read het, but bash het. Oh, some of the filthiest TV I've ever seen came from Britain. Oh, yeah. I don't don't understand where that no sex please were British comes from because those people are freaks. (laughs) We don't get anything like that on our TV. You can't see tits unless you get HBO or Showtime. <laughs> they see tits on primetime. Anna says, sure, lesbians love male-male sex. I'm sure they do, but I don't understand that whole um, het women not liking to read het sex and bashing it. Don't read it. That's fine, okay? But what the fuck is your problem? Well, most now I I don't read a lot of het sex because it's a lot of times not written well. <laughs> now, so sometimes I'm really she means besides, the story, me. besides, she means besides me, besides you, of course, besides you. I I read your het sex, and, but because uh, you know there's okay without oversharing here, but when I read gay sex, I have no frame of reference to compare it to. Is that good? Is that right? You know, I can suspend disbelief a lot better than when I'm reading het sex, and I can go, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Except for that time when she couldn't literally put those two dicks in that hole from that direction. (laughs) Well, that's true. Two people side by side cannot penetrate the same hole. hole. We've already established that. the, The physics, when the physics don't work, yeah, I can get that. But, you know... And, you know, I understand basic human anatomy. I've had, you know, quite a few anatomy physio- anatomy and physiology classes, so there's some things I can you, – you break my suspension of disbelief. It doesn't matter if it's gay sex or straight sex. I'm going to, you know – The worst thing I ever read in head sex, and it wasn't a Harry Potter fic, and um, it's pretty much established fanon that Harry Potter is hung like a horse. And I think it's because there was that picture of Daniel Radcliffe going around from Equus, and Daniel Radcliffe is um, quite 
gifted. <laughs> I mean, that boy is gifted. <laughs> wow, Daniel. Wow. You go. <laughs> you go on with your short self. Now we know where your extra inches went. Who needs to be six foot when you got that in your pants? Anyways, I went too far. I objectified um, Daniel Radcliffe. I admit that. He wasn't, you're right, he wasn't full grown in that picture. He was still a teenager. And for the reference, um, most men continue to grow in the penis department uh, up into their mid-20s. Sometimes as late as 25. There was a Photoshop pic, but there was also a real one. The Photoshop pic is um, uh, uncircumcised. That's how you know. The real one, Daniel Radcliffe is circumcised. And that's the difference. The one, I, the the Photoshop one that I saw was um, he had a foreskin. But Daniel Radcliffe is circumcised, and I've seen that picture too. Yeah, there's that that picture. There's two versions of that picture with the horse from Equus, the play, and he is naked on stage in that play. He did take off all of his clothes. Um, and the audience did get a very good view of his dick. And there are two versions of that picture, one with a ginormous penis that's uncircumcised. And then there's a pic of Daniel where he's circumcised. And Daniel Radcliffe himself is circumcised. He admitted in, a, in, in an interview when they were talking about that Photoshop picture. And he goes, no, nah, man, that's not me because I'm circumcised. My dad was circumcised, so my mom had me circumcised. And it was actually a discussion about whether or not he would get his own son circumcised. And he said that he would because he wouldn't want to have to explain the difference between his penis and his kid's penis. <laughs> Because he kind of figured his kids should look like him. That way, if there's no there, that that way, there's no questions <laughs> on that particular subject. And I guess I get his um his his logic with that. But yeah, there is an original version of that one running around, and um, I'm not sure how old Daniel was in that. I think he might have been 18, 19, and he was upwards of seven inches in length. At 18. So he's probably, as an adult at this age right now, anywhere between 8 and 9 inches. Yeah. And so, okay, so in the Harry Potter, in fandom, Harry Potter's got a big dick. Because Daniel Radcliffe is apparently quite gifted. Uh, and and in, in in that picture, he's not erect, and he's about seven inches not erect. So whether he's a shower or a grower is is an interesting question at that point. Of course, he might have had some blood moving around in it because um, when you're naked like that in public, I, I can assume that there could be some some growth, even if it's not a full-on erection. They're, you know. Yeah, there's um, when I've taken some uh, life drawing classes, which you know mm -hmm. is you know a euphemistic way of saying naked people. Um, 
it wasn't uncommon for the male models, you know, like the penis to move a lot. Yeah. It was like, could you hold that still, you know, just just stop with the twitching because I really need to get this down, dude. <laughs> no, um, the shortest guy I ever met, I ever had sex with, he had a ginormous dick. I mean, it was like nine and a half inches, and he was only five, six Boom. I don't even know. What the hell? Where where does that come from, dude? Where, where have you been hiding that? <laughs> Did that crawl that out of your stomach? What? <laughs> Anyways, so back to this het scene that I saw um, that kind of took me aback a little bit. Um, I attended a drawing class once, and halfway through the drawing class, the model's girlfriend showed up, and he got an erection. And she had to leave. And he had to go to the bathroom before he could finish the class. We had one of our and, models do have an, a spontaneous orgasm, which was... um. Wow. Yeah, it just was like, you know, 25 minutes in, and... Oh, and like everyone, everyone was just like super chill about it and just kept drawing, and the model excused himself and got cleaned up and came back and lay down and it was like no one said anything, and then we discussed it after the model that sometimes these things happen and it was a very, uh, it was a moment. So he found being on display um, arousing. Yes, apparently. That's actually really hot. That's really hot. <laughs> anyway, okay, back to Daniel Radcliffe's big dick. Okay, so um, I was reading this Harry Potter story, and in Fanon, Harry has a big, big dick, right? And so I'm reading a Harry Hermione story, and the author uh, got – she went too far in her descriptions because it became obvious that she herself had never had sex or she was having the wrong kind of sex or she had no idea what was happening in her body when there was a penis in it because she said that he pushed into her womb <laughs> and that his the head of his cock was um, um, pushed through her cervix. And into her womb. No, 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 no. And I was like, that is the only time I have ever actually almost emailed an author to say, no, baby, please. No, that's not how that works, honey. What? (laughs) That's not how that works. And for the record, if you happen to be listening to this and you're a virgin, I'm going to tell you something about what happens to the vagina when there's a very large penis in it. Having had this experience, I can speak on it with some authority. You can take this to the bank. When a woman is sufficiently aroused, the vaginal canal expands, both in length and in width. You open up. You kind of bloom like a flower on the inside, but do not use that terminology in your story because it's stupid, okay? (laughs) And so you kind of open up, and when a very large penis enters the vagina, yes, I have had men 
punch into my cervix, like up against it, but not penetrate it. Your cervix is closed, and your cervix does not open or dilate at all except for in two situations. One, when you're about to give birth, your cervix opens. Two, when you have an orgasm, your cervix opens just enough to literally suck sperm into your womb, which is why it's important when you're trying to get pregnant to come. Usually, like, you should come and then he should come. Like, it should be pretty much really close together. That way your cervix is actively flexing and sucking. (laughs) So that you get sperm into your womb where your egg is, okay? So when a man is pushing his penis into your vagina, your vagina is is making room for it. and, And, yes, he might, if he's very long, bump into your cervix and even bruise your cervix. But there is no way... Unless you're being, unless you're in a very violent situation and you're being seriously wounded, inconsensual, happy, everybody's having a great time, sex, your womb does not get penetrated. And if you're with a man who's very large and he does not have the self-control to fuck you properly, do not fuck him again. And if he's hammering on your cervix, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with that dick, and it's a fucking shame. And you need to move on. Big dick or no. Word. But ladies, please. Don't, don't, um. <laughs> Just... If you're going to use an episode to ward, to ward off nosy neighbors or family members, I suggest you use the one titled Bottoms Up. That's where I spent the first 45 minutes explicitly discussing anal sex. <laughs> I'm just going to give you some advice there. Anyways, so yeah, um, you a man does not fuck the womb. He fucks the vaginal canal, which leads to the womb, and the womb is protected by the cervix, which is basically a closed situation. Um, when you're menstruating, it kind of, it's, you, you bleed through it, it sucks sperm in, and it dilates when you're um, getting ready to give birth. But it does not, it's, it's not a second opening for a dick to go into. It isn't like leveling up in a video game. <laughs> and if that dude tries to level up, you punch him in the head. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just put your panties on and go home. <laughs> put your yeah, put your panties on and go home. Because honestly, when you get your cervix now, okay, there are two sides to this. I'm I'm a masochist. I enjoy pain during sex. So there are situations when I'm very aroused that I don't mind if someone bumps gently into my cervix. But, or in some cases, if I'm in a really great mood, pounds. But for most women, the cervix is sensitive. And that kind of pain is not stimulating and it's not sexy and it's not arousing. And it will cut your orgasm to zero and you're not going to enjoy it at all. I can speak to that one. I'm one of those who doesn't like it. I don't, you know, you don't bounce off my cervix. <laughs> yeah, don't bounce off my, it is not a fucking trampoline. <laughs> it's 
right. And it's one of those times I it's the biggest guy I've ever been with and I was like I was like really looking forward to it and I was like, dude, if you don't quit bouncing off my cervix, I am out of here. <laughs> That's when you say, Baby, I need to be on top. Because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Let me handle this for you. <laughs> And it is a tragedy when they have equipment that good and they don't know what to do with it. I know, I know, I know. Doesn't it make you want to go, oh, God. That's when you know you need colleges dedicated to teach people how to fuck. We do. We need pleasure houses. And, like, these guys need scholarships. You get the big dick scholarship, man, because that is a weapon and you need to know how to use it properly. (laughs) You owe us. And when you get finished learning how to use that, you come back because you owe me one or two. <laughs> Azor, I have to say this. I have to repeat this to the to the audience, the podcast audience. I read one by a total virgin that had Harry inserting his entire cock into Draco's. She was so confused because she thought sex meant inserting the dick into sex organs, and dicks are the are a guy's only sex organ, and that's a quote. <laughs> That's a quote from the author. Okay. Oh, honey. That's not how that works. That's not how any of that works. Oh, okay. So let me let me say this. Um <laughs> Um a dick has a tiny hole at the end for the um for the um release of urine. And sperm, basically. Although you can fit a lot more in there than you'd expect, but not a whole penis. There is something called urethral sounding. Um, You can look that up yourself. Uh, And there is a thing called docking. And is that what it's called, docking? There's that other thing that's not called docking. It's really terrible. It's really horrible. I don't want to accidentally say that. Docking is the one where if one of the men has a foreskin, he can... Um, wrap his foreskin around the head of the other man's penis. Right. Like, right. that's docking. And then jerk them both off together, which I understand um, from my cousin, who is not circumcised, that that's actually really, really fun. But he doesn't often find um, a partner who enjoys it as much as he does. But, okay, so um, you um, you just... You can't insert a penis into a penis. Uh. Unless we're talking pencil dick here, and I mean, I I, I knew a guy who was really into urethral sounding, and his uh-huh. biggest sound was less than half an inch across. Holy shit! Um, I know, and I mean, I'm like, I just kind of goggled at the whole. Holy crap, that's huge. Um, but that is, there, I mean, there are like no penises that are that small. That's enormous no. to insert in there, but there are no I mean, there's that small. There's micro penis conditions, um, but conditions in reality don't actually um, come with the ability to have an erection. Um I don't know. I mean, I've never actually encountered a man with a micro penis. I mean, I've I've heard about it, um, which is like the size of your pinky finger. 
literally the size of your pinky finger, ladies. And I don't mean gentlemen, I mean ladies. Um, something that size is called a micro penis, and they do exist. <laughs> That's not a myth. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think that um, – I think that in some cases they're they're so small that even um, urinating is a problem. There isn't enough space in the penis for um, the urethra and um, all of the uh, plumbing attached to uh, testicles and uh, just the entire plumbing of the, of, of the man's system. There isn't enough room in the penis for all of that, and it can cause, like, all kinds of infections and urinary tract infections. And in the past, um, babies who were born with this condition, it's obvious at birth, um, babies who were born with this condition were um, turned into females because they believed that they probably should have been born female to begin with, and that's terrible, and that's a terrible thing to do to a baby to um, mutilate what genitals they're born with. Um, I don't know. It's just terrible. Um, <clears throat> so I was um, <laughs> reading about hermaphroditism because I had that plot bunny. Come to find out, hermaphrodite is actually a derogatory term. Did you know that? I did not. It's apparently derogatory. I did not know that. I've been using it for years. I apologize to anybody I might have offended. Um, in reality, hermaphrodites, people who are born with both um, sets of genitalia, most often intersex, thank you, um, intersex individuals don't often have, um, both sets of genitalia don't normally work. Like one will work and one won't. It's really rare, rare for them to have functional um, genitalia across the board, I guess, so to speak. And I think they're infertile as well. And um, anyway, so I had that plot buddy, and I was I was playing with it, so I did some research, and apparently I had been using a really terrible derogatory term for years, and I had no idea. No one had ever told me. Because if somebody told me that I shouldn't have been using that word and I should have been using the word intersex instead, I would have totally been using the word intersex. Anyways, I'm not sure I can write that plot bunny down because I feel like it might be um, derogatory and terrible. And I feel really bad for having thought of it. Hmm. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. I wish that I, I knew somebody who was intersex, so that I, this, this is terrible. This is terrible. I can't believe I've almost said that. But I'm going to go ahead and finish that thought, so you'll know how terrible it was that I thought. So that I could ask them if my plot bunny is offensive. <laughs> because I don't know if it's offensive, and I don't want to offend anybody. But how am I supposed to know if it's offensive if I don't have anybody to ask? Anyways, that's my author dilemma. I immediately Googled. Um, <laughs> She's over there Googling. Googled, I'm over here Googling. I've, I've got like, you know, six towels up. I've got micro penises up and I've got 
um, intersects up, and I've got, you know, just stuff. <laughs> I even got your, your dick pic response to Hugo. Uh, <laughs> That's not a big dick. This is a big dick. And, you know, that's actually a play on um, the quote from um, Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. He says, that's not a knife. It's a knife. And, he, and then, then he pulls knife. out a, a small sword. This is a knife. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Stargate Atlantis plot bunny um, where a device, um, randomly turned a bunch of people at Area 51 into um, fully functional intersex people, as in they have two sets of genitalia and both work. Um, which and the plot bunny was basically that Rodney was one of those, and he was um, hiding it from John, who he's in a relationship with, and he keeps putting off sex with John because he doesn't want to admit that he that he's intersex. And and um finally he admits to John that he's one of those people that was impacted by the event at Area fifty one. Um and um John's like, Whoa, 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 wait. Are are you are you telling me that you've got a penis and Ronnie's like, Yes he goes, and you've got a pussy? And Ronnie says, yes. And he says, okay, so um, you're saying you've got my personal Christmas in your pants and you've been putting me off for six months? Well, see, I think this is brilliant. But but I'm, I... Because I John's bi and Rodney's perfect. Now, therefore, Rodney is absolutely perfect as far as John is concerned. And he doesn't care what happened. And he's kind of super excited. <laughs> But I don't know if it's offensive. I think it could be. I think it actually could be offensive. So, um... You mean, is it the appreciate John's appreciation of it that's offensive? I, I don't know. That, that That's the problem. I don't know anybody who's intersex. And I didn't even know that hermaphrodite was offensive. So, and I had this whole plot bunny around Rodney being one. And being a fully functional one. At that, I'm incapable of carrying a baby and everything kind of deal, you know. And I don't want to, I mean, granted, in most situations, I don't care if I hurt somebody's feelings. But I would never in a million years want to hurt somebody by writing something like that and it turn out to be gravely insulting to them and their circumstances, you know? Like, I would never... While I have written some mild homophobia and gay bashing, I am not an author who would write a gay basher as my main character and as someone I considered heroic, because I think that would be extremely offensive. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't write a racist as a hero, because I think that's extremely offensive. Um... And I just, I would never want to hurt somebody with my writing in that way. But I'm also deeply uncomfortable with the idea of approaching someone who I know to be intersex, even online, and asking them, hey, is this okay? Because that's, really? 
That's like those assholes on interviews who ask people who are transgender what genitalia they've got in their pants. Right? Yeah, that's a it, it's it's a conundrum. I I can see that there's like no good way around it. Now my cousin Stan, he's bi, and um. Yeah, they might be happy to be consulted, or they might be terribly, horrifically offended that I brought my cisgendered ass over to their site and asked them that ridiculous question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I do realize that I have a great deal of privilege. I'm heterosexual, I'm cisgendered, and I'm white. Come on. I don't... You know what I mean? I don't. My cousin is um, is bisexual, Stan, and I sometimes ask him um, questions, you know, and he'll be like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, you need to answer this for me because I I need to write this, and I'll show him a scene." He'll be like, "Okay, well, you need to do this," and he'll, you know, oh, and you know, actually, this would be like this right here, and you should do this, do this little move right here, and have him roll his hips because I love when guys do that, and so he's really. Um, Um, really helpful in in that area, which is probably why uh, I've had male readers think that I was a man <laughs> when, because of the, the the gay sex that I write. And that's because when I first started writing it, m- my cousin set me straight on, on a lot of issues. But one thing that has always bothered me is that I read this article once on Live Journal about how gay men don't use as much lubrication as um, fan writers say they do. And I asked my cousin about this, and he said point blank that he wouldn't let a man stick his dick in his ass without a significant amount of loop. Now, that was one of the first things that one of my, that my, um, because I, I turned on some gay friends to, um, that came out really kind of weird sounding, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you turned I on some gay friends. I tr- introduced some gay friends to the Slash, and they loved it. And one, of the, they they pointed out a list of sex inaccuracies. They're like, "Yeah, it was mm-hmm. great, except for the sex." Um, and one of the things that they had a problem with was the constant application of, you know, one finger ad lub, two fingers ad lub, three fingers ad lub, four fingers ad. They're like, "What the fuck are they doing with all that lube?" And I was like, "I don't know." So for me, I mean, I just kind of err on the side of um, saying there is lube. <laughs> but, you know, I guess it's one of those things that's an intense personal preference as to how much friction versus slide you want. I don't know. But, um... but no lube is not an option. I agree, and I think it's because, well, frankly, for me, um, um, I consider that foreplay, and so I'm, Lucas says, I wrote a hobby story, Hobbit story that featured Bilbo with fully, func- with both fully functional sex organs, and I use the term, I'm paraphrasing, intersex and got lectured for it because 
an intersex that doesn't actually exist. So what you're saying is someone who's intersex can't have two sets of fully functional sex organs. And that, that I should have used the term hermaphrodite, which actually means somebody with two fully functional sets of organs. And Claire says, but neither do hobbits. You're right. Hobbits don't exist. You're absolutely right. Um, so the term hermaphrodite means someone who has two sets of fully functional sex organs, but it's also considered derogatory. people who are intersex because, I guess, of that not having two fully functional sex organs. I mean, I'm like flailing here. I, I don't know. Um, so I, listen to me and my first world problems. <laughs> Hermaphrodites are, mythologi- are mythological. Yeah that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I understand why it, it would be considered um, discriminatory. But that leaves me in a quandary about writing someone who has two sets of fully functional sex organs because um, while I don't mind offending people by writing gay sex or het sex, I would never want to offend somebody um, in that particular way. Does that make sense? Yeah, and well, Lewis just points out that, you know, there are people who say use intersex in that situation people. and people who are offended by it. And this is a case of where you're never going to please everybody. I might not use either one of the terms and you just use something else. Yeah. Use an entirely different term um, and not even address that. But then it becomes a thing of why didn't you address this? Why didn't you label it this? Why didn't you address it this way? Why didn't you discuss or um, bring up uh, situations that intersex people have to deal with? Why didn't you do that? Why did you do this? You know, and I didn't I, get dinged you know, on that, and I expected to, because I have um, um, effectively, I mean, I said I, I didn't put a label on it, but um, in emergence, the, uh, the original Wyverns were... I said no gender or both genders, um, and I said that Tony wasn't clear on which which was the answer, but that it was clear that they weren't either male nor me nor female; they were a different gender type. But he thought they were aliens, so he didn't try to put some kind of human label on it. But I didn't get dinged, um, and I expected to for that whole thing. If you have no intention to offend, would it really be offensive? Absolutely. You can go into a situation with the best of intentions and be, and turn out to create a situation that is offensive as fuck. I mean, there's just no way around it. I mean, you can um, be super offensive and not mean it, but it doesn't mean... Um, what it boils down to is you cannot control how other people respond to your work, number one, Um, or the things that you say. Like that one time I sort of compared Republicans to pedophiles. I wasn't calling Republicans pedophiles, but what I said was is that I consider Republicans and pedophiles the same in that 
they're both irredeemable. But I did not call Republicans pedophiles. I got three different emails accusing me of doing such when that wasn't my intention. Now, I fully intended to insult Republicans, but I did not say they were pedophiles. I said they were like pedophiles, irredeemable and having no value to society. <laughs> well, yes. the, in this topic, there we do – there is a um, – we do evaluate which levels of offense we care about, right? Right. Because when we write gay sex, we know we're going to be offending people. Oh, yeah. There's people who, well, there's people yeah. who are going to be offended by it, but we don't care, right? So I mean... It's, it, and, and so there is an evaluation process we go through, an unintentional offense. So, like, I really offended some readers that I had no female characters in one of my stories. Um, they were really, really, really offended by that. That was an unintentional offense. Um, and then I had to decide if I cared about that offense, you know. Did I care that I, that I offended this person by not writing any female OCs into a story, you know. And, and um, so I think that we do things both intentionally and unintentionally that are offensive, and it's just a matter of then, you know, do we care at the, at the end of the day about certain offenses. And some offenses I, I care about. Right. And some offenses I wouldn't. I would not care about offending somebody who's homophobic by writing gay sex. Well, of course. Um, you know, I kind of delight in it. I don't care about writing het and people who only reading Slash getting upset. Um, I don't care about that. But what would bother me would be um, the hurting somebody by referring to um, their situation in a way that I did not intend to. It's the unintentional offenses that I worry about. Because I know I wouldn't set out to um, hurt someone who um, has this situation. Um, I would not set out to appear... Uh, racist or sexist or um, transphobic or homophobic. I would not set out to do any of these things, but sometimes people take things from your work you don't intend for them to take, and you have to prepare yourself for that as well. And you also have to determine at what point you accept some responsibility for your ignorance. And I was ignorantly using the term hermaphrodite left, right, and center. And that's on me. And I consider it my duty as a uh, good citizen in fandom and on the Internet to own up to my mistakes and to correct my mistakes when I make them. And if I unintentionally offend somebody in a way that appears racist or sexist or um, phobic in any way, I I want to know and I want to be able to address it. And it's not like, oh, I'm not racist because I have black friends. 
you'll be like, oh, that's not actually what I intended. What should I have said instead so I don't make that mistake again? Because just saying that you don't intend to offend isn't enough. You don't learn anything that way. I don't learn anything that way. And I like to learn something new every day. It reminds me of that video on BuzzFeed, um, things that white people say to black people that they have no idea that's offensive, like, mm-hmm. can I touch your hair? Don't ask to touch black people's hair. That's offensive. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. There are a couple of other things on that thing, but that's the one that struck me. I thought, wait, people really ask that? And so <laughs> I asked my sister-in-law, and she says, yes, as a matter of fact, people, white people, white women have asked me that. I'm like, shut up. Oh, God, did you punch them? Really? So, yes, I mean, you can go into a situation and you don't intend to be offensive, but if you are offensive through ignorance or the mishandling of information that you've been given, I think um, that you owe it to yourself to own up to it and move on. You know, except, okay, that was, I did not intend for that. I did not intend for that to happen. Um. What do I need to know about this situation and um, so that I don't make that mistake again? I agree completely. Oh, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a catch-22 in the offense game, which is that um, in some areas they're very cut and dried, but in other areas it's a little bit harder. So, you know, some of the um, less represented, you know, um, sexualities um, in in fan fiction. Um, I, I saw an author kind of flailing about a little bit with their readers about representing um, a, a, a different um, orientation in a fiction, and they had talked to a lot of people ahead of time about this, and then there was very big divide in how that was received, and ultimately. Um, they didn't know how which way to go. You know, do I step left or step right? Because the people who who I'm who are who are, are saying you're representing me wrong, and then on the, by the same token, somebody's saying you're representing me right. Is they don't know which way to step. Well, there's and, that quote about there being nine million or every how many people there are on the planet. That's how many versions of sexuality there are. That you know, and he, you and I. Um, you're, I've never even asked you if you're bi or het. See, I don't care. I don't care. I'm a heterosexual woman, but I make no expectations on anybody else who's heterosexual to assume that my sexuality is identical to hers, whether she's bi or het or lesbian or demisexual or pansexual. Is it demi or – either way. Demi is the – yeah, is the is – the, um the sexual attraction forms after romantic attraction. Basically, that's really generalizing, but 
to yeah. develop an emotional connection before a sexual connection. But I make no expectations on somebody else who might identify the same way I am and say that their sexuality matches my own because um, not only am I, am I a heterosexual woman, I'm also uh, – I don't think so. Um, I'm also a masochist. So I don't assume every heterosexual woman is a masochist. That would be a mistake. I thought pansexual was um, – Julie, help me out. <laughs> um, I identify as pansexual. So um, okay. I uh, I don't care about what's in somebody's pants. Um, and it, 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 there is some similarity there in this. It's, I'm not limited – so I don't consider myself limited in regard to uh, gender or sex or their gender identity. And I think that's one of the one of the big distinctions between – um, um, that and bisexuals. I've I've dated people who are um, M to F and F to M's, and people who are on on the spectrum on um, mm-hmm. transition. And and I've you know dated people who were um, and I dated a transvestite once. Um, so uh, I just you know I care more about relating to people than about their parts. Although big dicks are nice at the end of the day sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they but, are. But you know, I also, you know, I also have my own supply and uh, you know, so it's not like they're hard to come by uh if they don't come, you know, biologically grown. You know, can always hook one up. <laughs> so, a pansexual is someone who is attracted to people regardless of their gender or um sex. Where a demisexual yep. is someone who doesn't place any preference on gender, but requires a romantic attachment first. Yes. Okay. So that's Although the I mean, they're not interchangeable. Yeah, they're. I mean, and some people, and and there's 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 a spectrum. I mean, I've talked to people who are demisexual who is, who relate better to like say relate better to women, so they skew a little bit more towards you know one gender or the other, but they still need that romantic connection first. But a so, pansexual I – mean, okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. But everybody everybody has, you know, like like exactly like you said, is we don't expect anybody's sexual identity to be exactly the same. Um, but, yeah, definitely the difference, the big difference between pansexual and, and demisexual is, is the huge difference is one is um, – not limiting choice, and the other is I want to be sure I, I'm romantically connected to you before I develop sexual. I I don't not just before it's like I don't develop sexual feelings until I have a romantic connection. Now, what's the difference between a pansexual and a bisexual person? Um, you know, I I tend to think of bisexual. Uh, this is you know I identified as bisexual for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, is bisexual to me was a strong attraction to men and women. And when I um, started dating people who were more what I consider gender fluid or gender neutral, mm-hmm. I wasn't certain that bisexual really fit, you know, in the way it was perceived in the community and the way I perceived it. It didn't really feel like it fit me. 
So that's when I started identifying as pansexual personally. Um, but, I mean, there are people who I would say who are bisexual, but, you know, who um, – some people think there's not a lot of distinction between bisexual and pansexual. So, you know, I, I, but – But a pansexual it, might find somebody, say, who was born female but is living as a gay man attractive, whereas a person who is bisexual might not. Right. And also someone who is gay might not find someone who was born female but is living as a gay male. They might not find them attractive. May or may not. And somebody asked about what gray asexual is. Um, I think that's what they asked. Um, gray asexuality, demisexual is often, is I believe, under the gray asexual umbrella. Um, hyposexual, people who are considered to, who have low sex drive. Um, um, uh, sometimes it's called like, uh, but people, some, but it's often referred to as not purely asexual is the way I've understood gray asexual. But again, I, it's not something I identify with, so I am not the best person to represent what exactly that encompasses. But that has been my understanding of um, gray asexual is people who experience sexual attraction infrequently, but that it does happen. Okay, and that's our show. Um, that's actually really interesting. We should spend like a whole show talking about that because <laughs> I don't think I've asked all my questions. We're down 38 seconds. You guys have a great evening. I will see you tomorrow. I'm not sure what the topic will be, but I will announce it much sooner than I did tonight. Thank you. Bye. Good night. Shut up and sit down.